Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. Rick, big day. First of all, we should start with an apology to our listeners. Uh, we had talked about doing an emergency podcast. We had talked about doing an emergency podcast when the president tested positive. We had talked about doing an emergency podcast when he checked into Walter Reed. We had talked about doing an emergency podcast when he did that unbelievable photo op in the presidential limo, uh, hermetically sealed with Secret Service agents while he was COVID positive. We had talked about doing an emergency podcast when the president checked out of Walter Reed and uh, flew at sunset uh, via Marine One back to the White House, climbed up to the South Portico, and pulled off his mask quite dramatically. We had talked about doing emergency podcast when we learned that the uh, the, the presidential military aide, uh, one of you know, the woman who carries the nuclear football with him, uh, tested positive for coronavirus. We had talked about doing an emergency podcast when his press secretary tested positive. We had even talked about doing an emergency podcast when Stephen Miller, of all people, tested positive. Some people noting he didn't contract the virus when his wife uh, got it uh, a little over three months ago, uh, but he did contract the virus shortly after the president uh, did. So we, we have to apologize. We simply, I mean, we've been running, we've been running a thousand miles an hour. We have not had time to do emergency podcasts for any of those. So here we are now, our regularly scheduled podcasts. And Rick, um, it's, it's quite a day, and you know what today is, right? You know. This, this, this is a quiz. There's only one correct answer. What is today, October 7th? Today, October 7th. I only know this because I read a book about it. Uh, there's, there's a lot to note about this particular day, and, and, a, and a distinguished author um, uh, helped, helped make sense of it. It is, John, if I'm not mistaken, the birthday of a Mr. Vladimir Putin. Today is Vladimir Putin? birthday. Oh, yes, yes. Anything else happened on this date in history, in, in political <laughs> history, John? So um, as we've discussed previously, October 7th, 2016 was the single craziest day of 2016 and maybe the single craziest day in the history of presidential campaigns. Of course, the day of the Access Hollywood tape, the day that John Podesta's emails were released on WikiLeaks within, within a, about half an hour of the Access Hollywood tape coming out, and the day that the intelligence community announced to the world that it was, in fact, the Russians that had been behind the earlier hacking of the DNC. So, big day, uh, big anniversary, big birthday. And perhaps a reminder, John, of how much how much can change in the last month of a campaign, right? I mean, that, that was what seemed to upend everything. It, would, it marked probably the low point for Donald Trump. That, that's, when, that's when Trump's chances were done, right? Yeah. It was over. It was over, and everyone told him that. That's when his campaign suggested ended. It, and um, he was advised that he should drop out by very smart people. Uh, and he didn't, and he came back. And so, you know, who's saying it can't happen again a month from now? I, who, who knows anymore? I mean, this has been absolute news overload. We have... Um, a hot zone at the White House of, of uh, super spreading events that uh, the president's at the center of. We have the president's health condition, uh, really not known at this moment. Uh, you know, whatever whatever we can say about the the lack of, uh, uh, of reliable information that's come out of this White House before, there's been utter obfuscation and confusion around that. Um, we have the, the the virus spreading into the halls of Congress, into the upper ranks of the military. We have a paralyzed uh, Washington. Uh, scared because of the disease, a president who, 
it, through all of it is, uh, you know, maybe reveling in the chaos. We don't really know, but, but certainly perpetrating it. And even now, not finding any kind of a new tone around this horrible disease that has him uh, self-isolating and that has killed more than 210,000 people. Okay, and, and, and look, uh, I want you to know that we heard from the press secretary who herself is self-isolating because she is COVID uh, positive. We heard from the press secretary just hours ago. Well, everything, go ahead, Trevor, play the sound. We're taking all necessary precautions. Um, obviously there was an outbreak here in the White House, um, but we've been checking on staff, following necessary contact tracing procedures. Rick, I, I, Rick, Rick, are you, Rick, are you, are you sitting down? Fact check. Fact check. What do you think, John? I don't want to shock you. I am. I actually am, yes. The press secretary was not telling the truth. Ooh. Ooh. Which part? Which part? They are not taking all necessary precautions, and they are not doing all the necessary contact tracing. And this, I want to be perfectly clear about this, because I'm actually a little hot about this, so I'm, I'm sorry. I know we try to be dispassionate about reporting the news, but this is like actually affecting us, okay, and everything that we do. Um, the press secretary there and one of her deputies, uh, Brian Morgenstern, uh, said the same thing on CNN. They're there about how, what, what a wonderful job they're all doing about the contact tracing. Right. So let's just take that part of it. We'll do the precautions next. The contact tracing. They've, they're reaching out to everybody, da, 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 and all this. Well, our colleague, uh, the former, um, governor of New Jersey, a guy by the name of Chris Christie, um, is now in the hospital. Uh, COVID positive. Chris Christie was, of course, at the famous uh, Amy Coney Barrett announcement in the Rose Garden. Uh, he was also with the president for all of his debate prep sessions, including the session last Tuesday, uh, the morning of the debate. Uh, he was with the president. He was with Hope Hicks uh, through all of those. And he told me directly, as I think I've mentioned to you, nobody from the White House has contacted him. I mean, now he's in the hospital. I think he's figured it out. Nobody told him that uh, Hope Hicks had tested positive. He learned about that when he saw it on the news. Um, and of course, he learned about the president when he saw it on the news as well. So contact tracing, give me a break. John, that's just the White House. That, that's just the White House and the inner circle around Trump, right? So in, in this same period of time, we know that the president... Uh, flies, uh, has has event with Gold Star families at the White House, correct? We know that that happened. Yep. Um, we don't believe there's any contact tracing that surrounded that. Uh, we know that the president flies to the state of Ohio to have that debate in Cleveland. Uh, we know from what Governor DeWine has said that he was not informed of any contact tracing. He met the president uh, there on the ground. Um, and, and of course, anyone he came into contact there at the debate. We know that the next day he goes to have a campaign rally in Minnesota where he's throwing hats around. We know that he does a, uh, a campaign fundraiser at Bedminster at his, uh, at, at his resort in New Jersey. And we know from participants there that they weren't contacted in any way. Uh, if we back that up to the Amy Coney Barrett event, where we don't know when the president actually tested negative uh, a week ago Saturday, uh, we know that other people that were there in the audience uh, ended up being positive. A lot of them including Chris Christie, including Senator Mike Lee. The, the, the tentacles of this and the way that you can start to draw the circles out are pretty astounding. And to hammer home your point, 
there is no contact tracing. I mean, this had happened at a private, at a wedding in someone's backyard, at a private, you know, a private function room at a, at a, at a, at a restaurant. We would be talking about uh, how the, the, the tracing is going on at every, at every level. None of that is happening now. None of that is happening, John. And, you know, to look at the second part of this, which is the precautions, give me a break. Uh, we saw after, I mean, I think this was crystallized especially. And by the way, I should also apologize. We should have done an emergency podcast when the entire Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, except for one, uh, one, one member, uh, uh, one of the chairmen, um, was uh, quarantined because of that Sunday event and the vice commandant of the, uh, of the Coast Guard was there at the White House, and of course, then subsequently went to a, a meeting of, of the Joint Chiefs. So they're all at home quarantining. They are taking this seriously, by the way. The Pentagon is taking this seriously. Uh, the Vice President's uh, staff, I, I, I think, uh, for, the, for the days after that, the, the, the positive test, uh, took it seriously in that the Vice President, this wasn't really advertised, but the Vice President, uh, as soon as he got word of the President's positive test, uh, the vice president spent the next uh, several days at the Naval Observatory at his home uh, with direct contact with none of his staff except for his chief of staff, Mark Short. Uh, they all dealt uh, virtually, and, and, his, and his staff was working virtually and remotely. Uh, but <laughs> um, what did we see in the White House? What did we see in the White House after Hope Hicks and the president tested positive? We saw the chief of staff of the White House, uh, Mark Meadows, uh, emerging on Friday without a mask, uh, all around the white, all around the West Wing, coming out to talk to reporters without a mask. Uh, we saw, you know, a continued, you know, activity. There were some people that were working remotely, but people continued to work at the White House and continued to do so without masks. Um, this is not precautions. Now, we got news late yesterday that Stephen Miller has tested positive. Stephen Miller, of course, uh, also happens to be uh, married to Katie Miller, who is, was until news, this news broke, was with the vice president out in, um, out in St. Louis for the debate. I mean, I'm sorry, in, in Salt Lake for the debate. Now, in his statement, Stephen Miller said that he has been self-quarantining uh, for days, presumably since uh, Hope and the president tested positive. Stephen Miller was also, you know, spending time with both of those people, of course. Um, Self-quarantining. I would like to believe everything that this White House says. I would like to believe everything that uh, public officials tell me, especially on matters of supreme importance to the public health and to the people that work on the complex, including, by the way, the journalists that work on the complex. But do we really think that Stephen Miller has been quarantining for days? Do we really believe that? Well, one data point on this comes from our Jordan Phelps, who noticed on Katie Miller's Instagram a photograph from over the weekend at the St. Regis in D.C. Um, of, of a bouquet of flowers on the table. No people, but it says, we're, it says I'm out celebrating my birthday. Do we think that her was her... Was her husband not with her uh, celebrating the birthday? Where did Stephen Miller get his test? As far as I know, the testing has been done at the White House. Did Stephen Miller come to the White House to get his test? Was he at the White House yesterday before news came back that he tested positive? Do we know what we can believe? Dr. Connolly, by the way, put out a one-paragraph statement yesterday saying that the president is in good shape. 
saying the president uh, is, is doing has no symptoms, reports no symptoms. Do we believe that? I mean, I hope we can believe that. I really, I sincerely hope that we can believe that. We didn't see the president yesterday. There was talk of him doing uh, a video, some kind of a video address. We did, that didn't happen. Um, he sort of tweeted a hell of a lot. But do we really believe what the White House doctor is telling us? I am really deeply troubled by the fact that, Rick, that I can tell you, in all honesty, I don't think I can take it at face value. Now, I will tell you that I did speak yesterday with somebody who spoke to the president twice yesterday. And this person, who is somebody who I believe I can trust, said that the president sounded like he was doing fine. So maybe he is doing fine. But I just don't believe that I can take anything that is coming out of this White House right now at face value. And that is a very sorry state of affairs. Sorry for the rants. John, we've been doing this podcast for a long time. Sorry for the rants, but we, we've, we've been doing this podcast for a long time. We've been, we've been, we've been, you know, we've been covering politics for a long time. And we've talked, I don't know how many times we touched on in, uh, in this platform and others about the, the credibility gap, the well-earned credibility gap um, from the president on down in this White House and the information you can trust. This is the almost perfect confluence of circumstances where you have uh, information that, uh, that, that you cannot trust, uh, that is verifiably false, that's coming out of, of official government channels about the president's health, about precautions of people around the president. At the same time that you have a pandemic that uh, continues to rage, uh, a president who continues, even to this hour, to mislead the American people about the nature of, of the threat posed by it, uh, a lot of folks out there continue to listen to him and listen to his guidance. And John, it was only eight days ago, eight days ago, that that first presidential debate happened, and uh, the, the the issue of a mask came up. Listen to this. I don't wear masks like him. Every time you see him, he's got a mask. He could be speaking 200 feet away from it. He shows up with the biggest mask I've ever seen. That is downright mockery of Vice President Biden for wearing a mask. He was making fun of him. And it wasn't the first time. And as it turned out, it's not the last time either. That's what's uh, particularly striking because, John, I talked to a lot of Republicans in the wake of this diagnosis, and they said, well, you know, here's a chance for him to, to have uh, an empathetic side, to say, I am chastened by this disease. I get it. I am redoubling my efforts to take it seriously. It might have been an opportunity to remake his message, to, to, to show in the closing month of this campaign that, that finally and, and at last he gets it. Uh, take a listen to to a, a little bit of what he said, though, upon returning from Walter Reed. I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went, I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. I mean, it, 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 20 years younger, he feels. Uh, that is just astounding at every conceivable letter, John, level, John, truly. Even Brooklyn knows it. And Brooklyn, Brooklyn, really, you, you caught her attention with that. Look, I sincerely hope that the president f makes a full and speedy recovery. I hope the same for Kellyanne Conway. I hope the same for Stephen Miller, for uh, Kaylee McEnany, for Chris Christie, uh, for the vice commandant of, of the uh, Coast Guard. 
I hope the same uh, for uh, Senator Mike Lee, for Senator Johnson. I hope the same for everybody, for all of those that were positive who ended up, who had been in that Rose Garden. I hope everybody feels better than they did 20 years ago. Rick, I even hope you, even though you, thank God, you, you have not tested positive at any point, but I know you broke your, uh, your collarbone. I hope you are soon feeling better than you felt 20 years ago. But it's really an extraordinary statement to, 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 to hear him say that. And it, here, while we're hearing reports out of North Dakota, for instance... Oh, another Dakota hit, yes. North Dakota. I say that as a former resident of South Dakota. But North Dakota, North, North Dakota is experiencing its highest levels of, 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 of positive cases and its highest levels of hospitalizations. And you have horrific and gut-wrenching stories uh, coming out of North Dakota right now of people who uh, are, are sick with coronavirus and there is no room at the hospital. Um, and imagine being one of those people or being somebody who has lost a loved one uh, to coronavirus uh, and to hear the president come out and say, you know, don't let it, you know, uh, rule your life. Uh, you know, um, we have to take a quick break. When we come back, though, we're going to talk uh, to one of uh, one of our best reporters here at, at ABC News, uh, somebody who has been on this story and ahead of the story, somebody who was out at Walter Reed questioning Dr. Conley and, uh, you know, one of, one of our most prized and, and uh, colleagues uh, in just a moment. I'm going to leave you with that cliffhanger. Who is it? Who is it we're going to be talking to? We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Powerhouse Politics. <laughs> and that was, quite a, that was quite an intro, wasn't it, Rick? To, to, to the person we're about to talk to? We made you sit through all that time, so it was, we, had to, we had to build you up after making you listen for 20 minutes. <laughs> Catherine Falders, uh, <laughs> our, our, our ABC News colleague. Catherine, you uh, have been doing great reporting on this story. Uh, you had a, a, a story yesterday along with, uh, with, with our colleague John Santucci that, that caught a lot of people's attention. I think, if I'm right, you described a full-blown freakout at the White House, uh, as 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 they're dealing with all of this news and the, watching the president's behavior and worried about their own health, what what is what is the atmosphere right now? In that, I mean, first of all, most of them are working from home at this point. What what's going on? What are you hearing? Right at this point, and honestly, um, we've heard that from multiple people, John, inside the White House, uh, that there was a breakout. They were uncertain about what their work environment would look like. And I just remind you guys, you know, you're talking about the, the contact tracing and the lack of information. Well, White House staff didn't get an email about any of this until Sunday evening, informing them how uh, to come to work, whether to get tested, whether to go to their doctor to get tested, to your point about where did Stephen Miller get tested. Um, there was just so much uh, uncertainty. So right now, uh, I was talking to somebody this morning in the West Wing who described it uh, as a ghost town. Another source I talked to said they were wearing an N95 mask in the West Wing, a person who uh, didn't usually uh, wear a mask. So, you know, Mark Meadows was saying this morning um, that look, they're going to be in full PPE, masks and goggles and all of that. But I, I think it's important to point out that we haven't seen the president. We haven't seen photos, any photos released by the White House of any precautions being taken in the residence, though they've said that they are, um, or anything, you know, outside the Oval uh, to keep anybody safe. So, you know, to your point, can we believe them? We just don't really know. So let that sink in for a minute, what Catherine just told us. The president 
test positive on Thursday, at least the news is announced Thursday uh, at about a little before one in the morning. Um, already we had known that, that Hope Hicks had tested positive and no notice goes out to the White House staff for days, not until almost the end of the weekend. Uh, absolutely astounding. I mean, I think of the White House Correspondents Association, we've had a couple of cases, well, we had three very recently, of course, tied to all of this, but every time there has been a situation where a colleague has tested positive or even was taking a test because they felt symptomatic, we immediately informed everybody in the press corps uh, so, so that people would know what was going on. Um, and certainly employers all over the country are doing the same thing. So that's just astounding. Catherine, do you know, I've been trying to get an answer to this, do you know the answer to where this testing has been taking place? Like, did Stephen Miller come to the White House yesterday to get tested? Or was he tested at home? Did, did, did they, like, send a kit out there to him? Do you know? Right. It, I don't know the answer as it pertains to Stephen Miller. I know that other White House aides have had a kit sent home at the same time. I know, you know, Mark Meadows, for example, who's coming to the White House every day, he's getting tested uh, on White House grounds. So, uh, look, I, I think it depends. Um at the same time, we still don't have a straight answer from the White House. Um, if Stephen Miller was on grounds in, in any way, shape, uh, or form yesterday, uh, speaking of testing, John, we still don't know when the president's last negative test was. That's an extremely important piece of information uh, for the contact tracing uh, here. They were refusing uh, to tell us that as well. So still a lot of, honestly, uncertainty in that building. You know, they've said that they're putting precautions in place. But I also just remind you that we're just hearing that uh, this morning from the White House chief of staff, who who is saying that only after uh, reports emerged that he wanted to go uh, work from the Oval on Tuesday. He didn't end up doing that. Uh, but still, we don't get you know proactive answers from the White House. It's only after uh, something has been reported, as we've seen with the doctor for example, Dr. Conley. I'm confused. I mean, and I've been confused a lot. I mean, more than usual uh, over, over, over the past week. We, I saw Larry Kudlow come out and say the president did work from the Oval Office yesterday. Was that wrong? According to uh, Mark Meadows, that is wrong. And a White House spokesperson, that is wrong. <laughs> Can I mean... And I'm asking this really seriously because I, I, you know I'm struggling with the same issues on an hourly basis. So this is a pretty important piece of information. Did the president actually come out of the residence where he should be in self-isolation and work out of the Oval Office? We saw his chief economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, come out and say, actually in, on camera, that the president went and worked out of the Oval Office yesterday. And what you're saying is now Mark Meadows has said the opposite and... The White House press office is saying the opposite. So as a reporter, who do you believe? It's a good question. How do you how do you deal with that? Almost simultaneously, John, Mark Meadows is there gaggling with reporters. Larry Kudlow is on CNBC. They're saying opposite things. Then minutes later, um, I sent a text to Mark Meadows who said that Kudlow was wrong. Then the spokesperson released uh, a statement saying that Kudlow was wrong. But you're right. They're both very definitively saying different things. It is a huge struggle. Who do you believe? Now, I guess it's good. They're both on the record. I don't think we've heard from Kudlow yet saying he was wrong. But 
John, it also goes back to, and I don't want to forget about this part, where Mark Meadows, for the first time on Friday, came out and told reporters at a gaggle after we learned that the president had been diagnosed with coronavirus, that the president had mild symptoms. That was the same day that the president needed oxygen, um, which we didn't learn until we reported that out further. Um, so it, it's all pretty concerning. And, and again, we haven't seen the president yet. We haven't seen any images from inside the White House since he returned. So look, as you were saying, we'd like to believe them, but I'm, I don't know if we can. And, and Catherine, you, you were out there on the scene, um, I believe, over the weekend when Dr. Conley was 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 briefing. And uh, something else extraordinary happened where Mark Meadows came out and talked to the, the pool of reporters right after Dr. Conley briefed and, and, and suggested that things were a lot more dire or a lot uh, – the president wasn't out of the woods. It wasn't a clear path to recovery. He said it in a manner that he was hoping to be off the record, but it was caught on, on, on camera. And I know you were out there you know, questioning Dr. Conley, I believe, the next day. What's that scene – what was that scene like and you know, this extraordinary thing where you have the White House physician uh, briefing on behalf – of, uh, it wouldn't seem to me, uh, would, it wasn't, he wasn't speaking in his capacity uh, as, uh, as a physician so much as he was almost a campaign spokesperson. It, just, it seemed like a, a surreal moment. What was the scene like? Yeah, I was watching this uh, over again. It was, I believe, from Monday, that, that um, press briefing on Monday that Conley gave. And he kept using these words like, he's back. Um, while also saying that he's not out of the woods. No, I think you've seen the videos uh, and now the tweets, and you'll see him uh, shortly. You know, uh, he's he's back. Yeah. Really, I think that this White House has been talking about the rejection of science uh, for months now, and in my view, that Dr. Conley almost seemed to be functioning, you know, more like a White House staffer as the White House staffer stood off to the side. We don't get any answers from those briefings. We don't know when the last negative test was. Dr. Conley wouldn't say that, whether the president had any abnormal lab tests, whether there was pneumonia or inflammation in his lungs. And we really pressured him and, and hammered him on this. He would not say. He would only say, uh, however, uh, the positive things about the president. I, I asked him, too, about uh, the oxygen. And just to kind of test to see if he would say more about it, I asked him. Can you share how many times you said his oxygen dropped several times? Can you share how many times he was on oxygen? You said you checked with the nursing staff yeah, yesterday. Uh, yeah. He, yes. Yeah. So he he uh, the two episodes like we talked about yesterday, uh, and both times that he received a little bit of oxygen and, re and recovered immediately. Um, no, it wasn't required. He wasn't short of breath. He wasn't looking ill. It was more of us trying to uh, anticipate needs and see how he'd respond. And in both cases, um, it came right off. He didn't, he didn't need it for, for, from very long at all. So he was willing to say that. And then for the other things, uh, he wouldn't get into detail at all, uh, saying that HIPAA uh, precludes him from going into depth on this. There are HIPAA rules and regulations that uh, restrict me in uh, sharing certain things uh, for his safety and his, and his own health uh, and, and reasons. So he's cherry-picking information. Either HIPAA precludes you, if that's going to be the stance, that you come out and, and you say nothing about the president's health, or you answer our questions, because it leaves everybody with the impression that we just don't know anything about the president's health. And therefore, we then go report it and do some digging and find out from anonymous sources that he was on oxygen. Um, it was only then, until we reported that, others reported that, that then the doctor uh, would admit.
um, the condition of the president. And, and I take a moment to commend your reporting and the reporting of the entire White House press corps. I mean, it has been, um, I, you know, I think, an extraordinary um, achievement uh, and, and an important one for American democracy to see the reporting that has come out, because so much of these revelations would not have come out without dogged reporting, without really hardbeat reporting. Catherine, b- before we let you go, just I, I, I think Hollywood has done a disservice to the um, to the White House over the years uh, because when it's depicted on television, it looks, uh, you know, the, the inner workings often look spacious and clean and people have witty dialogue with each other, a la Aaron Sorkin scripts. Uh, <laughs> the, the reality, as you know, and John knows really well, is it is a rundown, um, very cramped uh, uh, work environment that almost certainly doesn't meet, you know, basic fire codes, much less basic, you know, health uh, health requirements OSHA around, around a the OSHA, yeah. right. It, 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 right? There's so many. So, th- what for the for the people that you've been talking to, without revealing your sources, uh, but the people that you've been talking to, they're worried about this as as a just a basic workplace day to day. Talk talk a little bit about you know what the concern is that you've heard from people who go every day to the White House complex and are right now a little worried. Yeah. So at this point, you know, as we've described, it's it's pretty much a ghost town. You have the chief of staff and, and some others uh, working out of there. But to your point, two of the people who tested positive actually shared a crammed office uh, in that building. The White House has been functioning, you know, uh, as usual, as uh, as it has been uh, during the whole administration until now, nobody uh, wearing masks. So the concern that I've heard um, is exactly that. You know, they're all sitting there crammed together. Um, and with the contact tracing, uh, what we don't know anything about the standards that the White House Medical Office has for contact tracing. I've talked to people who have been around some of the people who have tested positive, who haven't received any notice from the White House Medical Office. Um, actually, you guys had mentioned that that Gold Star Families event uh, that happened the day after the Rose Garden event. I reached out to the White House just this past Sunday to ask if everybody was tested in that event before we knew that anybody had tested positive. And the only answer was those who are in close proximity to the president are tested before. Um, I, of course, said I, I totally understand that. But what do you consider close proximity? It's, an, it's important to the people who work in that building every day. Uh, the White House won't say. So I think what I've been hearing from a lot of people who work there um, is the lack of transparency, whereas the leadership, whether it's from the White House chief of staff's office, um, who should be directing a lot of this, if it's from the operations side of the White House, I think people are just really looking for those answers. And, And while the White House has put some of this stuff out, they've sent emails, they have you know, representatives on television, mind you, they're contradicting each other. Uh, There's still a lack of information. And and frankly, I'm glad to hear that these precautions uh, in terms of goggles and masks and gloves are there. At the same time, I think we just need to remember that we haven't seen that. We haven't seen that as reporters, anything from the White House. So that concern that we have um, is a similar concern that I've heard from a lot of White House staff. Catherine Falders, our ABC News colleague, I really appreciate it, and we'll probably talk another 10 times today. So uh, thank you for joining us on the podcast. I uh, really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Uh, that is all the time we have for Powerhouse Politics. We will be back. We will be back at our regular scheduled time next week. And Rick, Lord knows, we may have emergency podcast, uh, depending on the extent of the emergency. 
uh, before then. Uh, but thank you for listening. Thank you for, uh, for Trevor Hastings for the great work he does on this show, Avery Miller and the entire Powerhouse Politics team. We will be back soon.